Welcome back to Reflections of Darkness. This is your gorgeous drag hostess, Evil, coming to you from my lair of eternal damnation. Well, as you probably guessed from the title of the episode, that we are rolling out our next spinoff, Reflections of Darkness, Shades of Grey. And no, it's not about some softcore bondage horror. <laughs> the spinoff is all about horror movies before color, i.e. Shades of Grey. And for our inaugural episode, I have chosen a classic that I am fully ashamed to admit that I had never seen, but that's a running theme. Honestly, the only exercise I get these days. <laughs> so let's not keep you in suspense any longer. Tonight, we are talking about one of the classic universal monster movies, The Wolfman from 1941. Now this movie, at least for me, has, I don't know, some quality to it that captivates me fully. Getting ready for this podcast, I must have watched this movie seven times at least, because every time I would start it and start to take notes, at some point I just stopped taking notes and just sat there watching the movie. Then I would have to start over and get a little bit further with the notes, then again I would just start watching the movie. And it's not like the movie is the most amazing movie, any way you look at it, but something about it just grabs me. So let's get into it and see if we can figure out the magic of the Wolfman. Now it opens with the title card in Harry Wolfman font, which is adorable. They immediately do this thing that I wish they still did today, where they show the main actors with their real names and their role names. It's so convenient to know who is who before anything even happens. And speaking of actors, we have some classic horror icons in this movie. Claude Rains, Lon Chaney Jr., Bela Lugosi. We're only the first minute in this movie and I am living for it. Now we get an encyclopedia entry shot about lycanthropy. And if you don't know what an encyclopedia is, well, it's kind of like Wikipedia, but in book form. You know, before the internet was a thing. Wow, remember that? Before the internet was a thing? <laughs> oh, I'm old. Uh, anyway, now we see our main actor, Larry Talbot, played by Lon Chaney Jr. Even though he goes by Lon Chaney in this movie, it's still Lon Chaney Jr. Larry is coming home to his father, Sir John, played by Claude Rains, and Talbot Castle in the States after being gone for 18 years. Now this is supposed to be set somewhere in Wales, I believe, and it's connected to a small Welsh village where everybody just speaks English, has no accent except for Sir John, Larry's father, who is British in real life. Everyone else just speaks kind of West Coast American English, especially Larry. I guess this is before they tried to have actors sound like where the movie is set. Anyway. Larry comes back to run the Talbot estate, which his older brother was supposed to run, but he was killed in a hunting accident. And then they never speak of it again. Father, I'm sorry about John. Your brother's death was a blow to all of us. Sit down, won't you? No, Larry, let's develop what amounts to a tradition about the Talbot sons. The elder, next in line of succession and so forth, is considered in everything. The younger frequently resents the position in which his father leaves home, just as you did. Yes, but, Father, I'm here now. Fortunately. But isn't it a sad commentary on our relationship that it took a hunting accident and your brother's death to bring you? The whole business is probably my fault. See, the tradition also insists that the Torbets be the stiff-necked, undemonstrative type, and frequently this has been carried to very unhappy extremes. Oh, daughter, I know that. Larry, let's decide, you and I, that between us, 
There should be no more such reserve. I'll do everything that I can, sir. Well, that should be considerable. You know, the 18 years you've been away should have qualified you to be of immeasurable benefit to the estate. It seems like Larry and his father have never been close. And even the actors on screen have zero chemistry and zero familial connection. Lon Chaney Jr. is a strapping six foot two broad man, while Claude Rains is a five foot seven, much more slight in build man. I'm guessing Larry's mother, whom they never speak of, was an Amazon of a woman or something. <laughs> anyway, they head up to the observatory. Now you know you are rich when you have your own observatory. <laughs> By the way, it needs to be said that the sets and props and scenery or whatnot for this castle are gorgeous, and I want all of it. All of it! Okay, so of course, our main guy, Larry, uses this telescope to uh, scope out the quaint little village and peek into the bedroom of Gwen, our main actress, who is getting ready for work above her family's antique store downstairs. Cut to Larry going into said antique store to flirt with Gwen, by pretending he's psychic and knowing about earrings she tried on earlier in her room while he was peeping, pervo. <laughs> so while flirting and trying to get Gwen to meet him later, he ends up buying a walking stick with a silver wolf head and pentagram, the mark of the werewolf. Fun fact, that silver cane head is the only prop from this movie to survive to today that we know of. I'm sure there are other things, but nothing as notable to this movie as that. So then we get more werewolf lore as Gwen tells him all about the legend of the werewolf. Well, there's one. Make a good putter. <laughs> yes, it would. That's funny. Another dog. <laughs> no, that's a wolf. A wolf? Mm -hmm. A wolf and a star. What does that mean? I thought you said you were psychic. Oh, I am. But this is only wood and silver, and it hasn't blue eyes. Well, uh, that stick is priced at three pounds. Three pounds? Fifteen dollars for an old stick? Well, that's a very rare piece. It shows the wolf in the pentagram, the sign of the werewolf. Werewolf? What's that? Well, that's a human being who at certain times of the year changes into a wolf. You mean runs around on all fours and bites and snaps and bays at the moon? Oh, even worse than that sometimes. What big eyes you have, Grandma. Little Red Riding Hood was a werewolf story. Of course, there have been many others. There's an old poem. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane booms and the autumn moon is bright. Yes, but uh, what's this pentagram business? Every werewolf is marked with that and sees it in the palm of his next victim's hand. Look, lady, if you're trying to scare me out of here, you're not getting very far. I'll take the cane. So Larry is very persistent and just says he'll be there at eight and they'll go out. As he's, as he's leaving the antique store, he sees the gypsies rolling into town like they do every year at this time. Now, I am fully aware gypsy is a derogatory term in our 2021 world, but that's what they are called in the movie, so that's how I will be referring to them in this podcast. Cut to Larry talking to his father about werewolfism, and his father is making it out to be more of a psychosis of the mind. Yes, that's the sign of the werewolf. That's just a legend, though, isn't it? Yes, but like most legends, it must have some basis in fact. Probably an ancient explanation of the dual personality in each of us. How does it go? Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms. And the autumn moon is bright. So we cut to Gwen closing the antique shop and clearly waiting for Larry, who sneaks up on her from behind. But Gwen is smart and has a trick up her sleeve for Larry. And she has her friend Jenny 
come along as a buffer slash chaperone or whatever. And Larry quickly realizes that he now has two girls. <laughs> so they all head over to get their fortunes read by the gypsies. On the way through the spooky woods, Jenny stops to pick a bouquet of wolfsbane. Foreshadowing. I think so. Here we meet the gypsy Bella, played by who? Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Fun fact, Bella Lugosi is actually campaigned to get the lead in this movie, but ended up with a small supporting role. But he's very good in it, thankfully, so it's all good. So, okay, so Jenny goes off to have her fortune read by Bella. We've come to have our fortunes told. Can you really read the future? I will not disappoint you, my lady. Will you step inside, please? Do you mind if I go in first? No, no, go right ahead. <laughs> go on, silly. While Larry wants to take Gwen into the woods and tell her fortune, he reveals that he was spying on her in a room with the uh, telescope and that it wasn't creepy, okay? We didn't come down to listening on Jenny, did we? No. Well, maybe if you took a little walk with me, I could tell your fortune. You're a fortune teller. Uh-huh. Is that how you knew about the earrings? Well, not exactly. You see, a telescope has a mighty sharp eye. It brings the stars so close that you feel you can almost touch them. A telescope? Sure. And it does the same thing to people in their rooms. That is, if you point it in the right direction. Oh, you wouldn't. Well, now, I was only testing the refractor. I didn't know about you, and all of a sudden, there you were. Well, from now on, I'll be sure to draw the curtains. Oh, don't do that. I mean, not on account of me. <laughs> I mean... Well, you know what I mean. Yes, I'm afraid I do. But it's only fair to tell you I'm engaged. I'm going to be married very soon. In fact, I really shouldn't be here. Oh, but you are here. Cut back to Bella starts to read Jenny, her fortune slash future. Then he sees the mark of the wolf victim in her hand, knowing that she's the next to die. He tells her to run home, so she does as he turns into a wolf and starts to chase her and attack her. The music and the ambiance in this movie draws you in and adds such a dimension and drama to these scenes. But, I mean, I guess that's what it's for, huh? <laughs> but it's amazing. I was very impressed with it. Now cut to Larry fighting with the wolf that was killing Jenny and beating him to death with the silver cane. Fun fact. The wolf that Larry is fighting in that scene is actually his own German shepherd who was not hurt during the filming. Larry gets bit in the chest by the wolf, and the old gypsy woman and Gwen help him back to the castle. They f the police find Jenny dead with her throat ripped out. Mr. Twiddle! Yes, sir! Take it out, Twiddle. Very good, sir. Jenny Williams, attacked by some large animal. Is that right, Dr. Lloyd? A jugular was severed with a bite of powerful teeth. The cause of death, internal hemorrhage. What's the matter with you, Twiddle? Oh, I'm a little squeamish, sir. Well, don't be squeamish. Write down what I told you. Very well, sir. Captain Monbrook, here, sir. It's the gypsy who passed through town this afternoon. He killed by the same animal, Dr. Lloyd? No, his skull was crushed. By heavy blows with a sharp instrument. Take a note, Twiddle. Very well, sir. Fatal, the gypsy found dead near the body of Jenny Williams. Cause of death, heavy blows from some sharp instrument. Look, his feet are bare. So they are. Otherwise, he's fully dressed. Take a note of that, Twiddle. Very well, sir. Oh, what's this? Oh, a stick with an horse's head handle. It's not a horse's head, that's a wolf's head. Uh Mr. Frank, them tracks back there. A wolf! Take it out, Twiddle. Very well, sir. Found on scene of tragedy. Silver-handled stick mounted with a wolf's head. 
Have a look at those tracks. Cut to the next morning and Larry and the policeman questioning Larry, whose bite is miraculously gone, and you start to see Larry start to lose himself a bit. He starts to be a little more manic. Lon Chaney's acting is pretty good, even though his accent is completely off. <laughs> I will not let it go. I'm not accusing him of foul play, Sir John, but after all, two people are dead and I am Chief Constable. That's no reason to make a great mystery out of it. You talk like a detective in a novel. Now, please, gentlemen, there's a very simple explanation. A dog or a wolf attacked Jenny Williams. That's proven. When she cried for help, Larry and Baylor went to her rescue. It was dark. Excitement and confusion. The gypsy was killed. What about Baylor's bare feet? He just didn't have time to put his shoes on. What about this non-existent wound? Daddy imagined he'd been bitten. After all, the beast jumped at him and tore his coat to shreds. Still, he insists he received a wound. You tell me his coat was bloody when the two women brought him in. Surely a wound can't heal overnight. The patient is mentally disturbed. Perhaps the shock did it. I'd rather you didn't bother him with questions just now. You policemen always in such a hurry. As if dead men hadn't all eternity. Well, you'll be declaring me a mental case next. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't dare. Thank you. In return, I won't question your patient again if you think fit. Thank you. So he's starting to come across a little mentally disturbed. But he's rich and white, so they drop the case of Bella the Gypsy. And again, the musical score in this movie is so good. It's just really amazing. I just can't stop noticing it. Larry visits the church where Bella's coffin is. Over the body of Bella, his mother and the priest discuss the plans for Bella's burial. This man without prayer? There is nothing to pray for, sir. Baylor has entered a much better world than this. At least so you ministers always say, sir. And so it is. But that's no reason to hold a pagan celebration. I hear your people are coming to town dancing and singing and making merry. For a thousand years, we gypsies have buried our dead like that. I couldn't break the custom even if I wanted to. Fighting against superstition is as hard as fighting against Satan himself. Then when the priest leaves and Larry is spying on the old gypsy woman, you hear the incantation that will play a role in this movie later on. The way you walk toward Thorny, through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea, so tears run to a predestined end. Your suffering is over, Baylor, my son. Now you will find peace. Now we're at the antique store with Gwen and her father and this gaggle of terrible women, including Jenny's mother, come in and they start to call Gwen a slut, you know, without actually saying she's a slut. Then Larry comes in and saves the day. Well, ladies, what can I do Where for you? Why? What do you want to know for? I want to know why she left my little Jenny all alone with the gypsy. Well, I suppose she didn't want to be there while the fortune was being told. Oh, what a lie. You know, she just wanted to walk out in the... Now, you mustn't speak about Gwen like that. Oh, listen to him. There's a fine father for you. How dare you permit her to walk out with other men when she's engaged to Frank Andrews. She didn't do anything wrong. Anything wrong? Because of her that my little Jenny was killed. Now, that's enough. She's to blame. I always knew that innocent little face was just a... Now, come on outside, outside all of you. You'll not get rid of me before I know the truth. I want to know what she was doing while my little Jenny was being murdered. I'll tell you what she was doing. All right, tell me. Come on, come on, speak up. What was it? Don't you dare touch me. You and your fine daughter. You've not heard the last of this. Then we meet Frank, Gwen's fiancé, played by the very handsome Patrick Knowles, who was in The Adventures of Robin Hood from 1938 with the hot, hot, 
hot. Errol Flynn. Oh my god, that movie. He's in tights. Mm. Uh, anyway, cut to the Gypsy Funeral Festival thing. Everybody's having fun, and it's just a bunch of dancing and singing and games, and all the townspeople have come out to see it. Now, I can only imagine this scene in real life. The colors, the fabric. I bet it was amazing to see. Then we get a weird scene with uh, the fiancé and Larry at a shooting gallery, and all of a sudden one of the things that pops up is a wolf, and Larry starts to freak out, and he leaves and uh, quote-unquote accidentally runs across the gypsy woman, Bella's mother. You killed the wolf. Well, there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Bela. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man? Bela became a wolf, and you killed him. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet, or a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. You're insane. I tell you I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm, the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell. Evil spell. Pentagram. Wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm gonna get out of here. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, quit handing me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Wear this charm over your heart always. After the gypsy woman talks to Larry, she goes around and starts to tell all the other gypsies that there's a werewolf. And they all start freaking out, packing up, and leaving. As the gypsies flee, we get a weird werewolf montage flashback special effect thing that is very hard to explain. You have to see it uh, for Larry, who realizes he's a werewolf. Then we get the first transformation back in Larry's bedroom. Basically, we just see his legs, and they're all super hairy. And then they slowly morph, get, getting more hairy and more hairy, until they're actually werewolf feet. It's a great special effect, especially for the time. But then, as he turns into a full werewolf, he changes his clothes into an all-black outfit. So all you see are his feet, his head, and his hands. I guess it's because it's easier to do just those parts and not the entire body. But when you're turning into a wolf, do you have the wherewithal to go, oh, I'm gonna go put on a black outfit, I'll be right back. I don't know, it's kind of weird, little plot hole, but it's fine, it's fine. Originally, the script was supposed to never show him turning into a werewolf. It was supposed to be all in his mind that he was a werewolf. And they play that up a lot in this movie during the beginning, that it's all just in his head and he was going crazy. But the studio actually had them, you know, make him an actual wolf man. And the effects are really good, so I'm glad they went with it in the end. After his night of running around as a wolf man, killing the cemetery gravedigger, the next morning we see muddy wolf prints from the window over to Larry's bed, where Larry is asleep. Then we get more exposition about werewolfism and pushing that it's all in his mind. Is there anything wrong? Richardson was killed last night, the gravedigger. The tracks lead up to this house. Footprints? No, animal tracks, a wolf. A wolf? Where do you suppose a wolf came from? Well, he might have escaped from a circus or a zoo. What is this story about a man turning into a wolf? You mean the werewolf? Yes, sir. Well, it's an old legend. You'll find something like it in the folklore of nearly every nation. The scientific name for it is Lycanthropia. It's a variety of schizophrenia. That's all Greek to me. Well, it is Greek. It's a technical expression for something very simple. The good and evil in every man's soul. In this case, evil takes the shape of an animal. I can figure out most anything if 
give me electric current and tubes and wires, but something I can do with my hands, but these things you can't even touch. What's the matter with you, Daddy? Oh, nothing, sir. But do you believe in these yarns? Larry, to some people, life is very simple. They decide that this is good, that is bad. This is wrong, that's right. There's no right and wrong, no good and bad. No shadings and grays, all blacks and whites. That'd be Paul Mumford. Exactly. Now, others of us find that good, bad, right, wrong are many-sided, complex things. We try to see every side. The more we see, the less sure we are. Now, you ask me if I believe a man can become a wolf. If you mean, can he take on the physical characteristics of an animal? No, it's fantastic. However, I do believe that most anything can happen to a man in his own mind. I'm at church. Then they head to church. It's Sunday. Fun fact about the church scene is the doorway and steps of the village church looks more like that of a cathedral. And in fact, it was a cathedral. Part of the original set built for the legendary silent version of Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1923, which starred Lon Chaney Jr.'s father, Lon Chaney, and it was on the Universal backlot for over 20 years. It's not there anymore, but it was there for a long time. So Larry and his father and everybody goes into church, and Larry just stands at the back, and he can't bring himself to sit down, and then he leaves. I don't know if this is because he knows he killed somebody, or if... Because you never hear lore that wolfmen can't be in churches. That's more of a vampire thing, but... I don't know. But he leaves. Cut to the scene where all the men after church are in... Talbot Castle, and they're all figuring out what they're going to do about the wolf. Trap it, hunt it down, are they going to call somebody in to kill it? So they all decide that they're going to have a good old-fashioned wolf hunt. So some of them go off to start setting traps and whatnot. And then there's the whole scene with Larry and his doctor and werewolfism, again, that it's all in his mind, and how he just needs to get some rest, and blah, 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 blah. We get it. Everybody thinks you're crazy. Just go rest because you've had a long 18 years away and you just need to rest until you're better. That part was weird to me. Anyway, now we see men setting traps in the forest. And of course, Larry wolfs out again and he's walking through the woods and gets caught in a bear trap. As the men and the dogs are closing in on the trapped wolf man, who has now passed out, I guess, from the pain, the old gypsy woman finds him, of course, and she says the wolfman incantation... fault of your own but as the rain enters the soil the river enters the sea the tears run to a predestinate end find peace for a moment my son and he turns back into a man and he's all manic and everything and he runs to see Gwen and tell her he's running away and then he sees the pentagram on her hand and that she's the next victim so he runs away back home to see his father. Larry's father still doesn't believe him that he's a werewolf, but he decides to tie Larry to a chair in his bedroom and lock the room to prove to Larry that it's all in his head. Then as he leaves, Larry goes, take the silver cane with you, just in case. So Larry's father goes off to hunt the wolf with the cane. Then there's a whole interaction with Sir John and the old gypsy woman. You are not frightened, are you, Sir John? Frightened of what? Of the night. Rubbish. You startled me. Don't be startled, Sir John. You have the silver cane for protection. 
are you? Hasn't your son told you? You're the gypsy's been filling his mind with this werewolf nonsense. Nonsense, Sir John? Yes, you've been preying on his gullibility with your witch's tales. But you fixed him, didn't you, Sir John? You don't believe the witch's tales, do you? Not for a minute. Then where were you going, Sir John? Why aren't you back there at the shooting stand? I was. Were you hurrying back to the castle? Did you have a moment's doubt? Were you hurrying to make sure he's all right? I wanted to be with my son. I was going back. Yes, Sir John, you are going. Hurry, Sir John. Hurry. Then the shooting starts, and they are hunting Larry. And dumb Gwen runs into the forest while all these men are shooting and there's apparently a wolf out there. Then the wolf man sees her and runs after her with Sir John hot on their tail. <laughs> no pun intended. So Sir John and the wolf man wrestle around and Sir John starts beating the wolf man to death with the silver cane. Then there is a slow transformation back into Larry, his son, which again, super cool special effects, especially for the time. But now poor Sir John has lost two sons killed in hunting accidents. But luckily, Gwen is alive. She just passed out. And that's the end of The Wolfman. Okay, wow. For a movie that is only an hour and eight minutes long, there is a lot. Was the movie perfect? No. But it really helps the werewolf subgenre explode. It also helps cement some of the werewolf tropes. You know, full moon, wolf's bay, and silver, all that. The setting and backdrops are good. The music is amazing. Some of the acting was really good. And for the times, some of the special effects were astounding. I feel like it needed a bit more of a backstory of Larry's family and Talbot Castle and the estates and the village. Or how his brother was killed. What about his mother? But it's a classic for a reason. So I give The Wolfman from 1941 our first Shades of Grey episode. 9 out of 10. Muddy wolf prints. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed the first episodes of Shades of Grey. As always, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and you can visit my website, evilqueensf.com, and leave me any questions, comments, concerns, whatever. And as always, keep watching scary movies. is bitten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. <laughs>